Oh, it's a privilege for me to be here this morning. Um, I want to share from you six verses, seven verses, eight verses actually, from the Bible that will just bless you. The Bible is a treasure, and I hunt out its treasures, and I hope to share some of those treasures with you today. Father, we just commit the Word of God back to you. We want it to come into our hearts, to penetrate right deep into our soul and into the bone and marrow of our very being, that, Father, your Word will bring change into our hearts and into our lives. Change for good, Lord, that, Holy Spirit, you will come and make us more like Jesus today, that we will walk out of here satisfied that we have had some good food to eat, spiritual food, and that we might grow in you. I pray in the name of Jesus. Bless your word. Amen. Amen. We sang that song, you know, um, My Living Hope. And I, and I, I, I asked if we could sing that song because something in that song stirs me every time. Do you know why? Because it's the gospel. It's the gospel. You know, when you listen to music sometimes, I think, I can't memorise the Bible. We'll learn the words to the songs, and you'll have good stuff to share with people. It starts off, and it says, How great the chasm that lay between us, between God and me, there was a massive chasm. How high the mountain I could not climb. You know, my life was full of so much rubbish that it piled up. And in the end, there was so much in my life that had built up. It was a mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven. I was desperate. Would you ever have seen it? No. No. Because it was inside me, I was desperate. On the outside, I was the sales rep. Smart. Hello, and how are you today? Oh, nice to see you. No, on the inside, I was desperate. You know, in desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. There was one day, 38 years ago, that I spoke the name of Jesus. I cried out to the name of Jesus, and he came to me. He came to me when I was 34 years old. And as I go through the song, all those things he did for me, But there's one line that catches me every time. Your buried body began to breathe. Jesus has risen. He is alive in the world today. He is my all in all. God is so wonderful. God is so mighty. God is so powerful. God is so good. God is my everything. He is everywhere present. Whatever I do, He sees it. He knows me. He knows me better than I know myself. I have put my trust in Him. He's the one I put my trust in. Do you know, in our own lives, you know, it's kind of like we have a battle. We are fighting a battle. We really do. And you know where the battle is? The battle is in your mind. This is the battleground. I didn't know it so much until after I became a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus. Wonderful. He filled me with joy. I got to know him. Within the first few months, I started to fade Did I look like a Christian anymore? Oh, I don't know if I am a Christian. You know, look at what I'm doing. And it's like like Paul mentioned this morning in in Romans chapter 7, I'm doing the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do I'm not doing. 
What a wretched person I am. We struggle, you see. There was a battle that was going on in my mind. The amazing thing is that Jesus told us that this would happen. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, you have an enemy of your souls. There is an enemy of your soul. You know what? He is the father of lies. That's what he does. He lies to you. He lied to me. I was raised in a conservative Christian family. Well, we thought we were Christians. I thought I was a Christian, but it was really a religious family. It was a religious family, you know. And, and when you're young, your mind is filled with a lot of stuff. You're learning things. And children easily learn things. You tell them there's a Father Christmas, they believe you. There's a Father Christmas. And then they find out there's not a Father Christmas. You lied. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, really. But, but look, we, we grow up. And I grew up in this church and I used to listen to the priest up the front and he, you know, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to be good. And if you do more good than wrong, you'll probably get to heaven. It was like, this is what I was raised on. It was all about what you did and how you lived your life. It's wrong. Don't you lie. Don't you do this. Don't you do that. And I lived like that till I was 34. Actually, I gave up when I was 18 because I, I cast it aside. I didn't want to know. And I went for many years, but I still had a lot of stuff in my mind. Do you know your mind drives your emotions? Your mind drives your emotions. I was a school teacher and I taught for 11 years, even 15 years up in Kaitaia. And I learned there's a lot of kids there, a lot of students. We were high school teachers, 13 to 18-year-olds. And they would misbehave really bad, you know. And you think, they can't learn. They would disrupt the class. If you gave them the opportunity to, they would just wreck it. And it was just to stay in classroom management. I learned that if you change the thinking, you change the behaviour. Our thinking... It's really important. Our thinking, and I found if I isolated, I, I, you, outside. I never growl in front of them. Take them outside. And all the kids, I'd set them work and out the door. Now, what are you doing? You're much better than that. Why are you behaving like this? Oh, I can't do it, miss. Who said you can't do it? I'm here to help you to do it. Oh, he, it was all about what he can and can't do. Somebody had told him he was no good. Somebody had told him you can't do this. And so out of what he thought and what he believed in his head, he behaved. You know, and, and we're like that with our Christian walk with God. What we think and how we behave as Christians is really important. You know, as a child, I believed in these good works and I found that it was a, a thought that I had to change. Now, I want to take you to Romans chapter 12. Um, Evangeline's got it at the back. Romans chapter 12. It's the Bible, and I think it's good to read the Bible aloud. So I'm not going to read it by myself. You're going to read it with me, please. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And the next verse, please. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to stay on the phrase in there. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by... So there must be an old way of thinking and a new way of thinking. There has to be an old way. I know the old way, but I have to learn a new way of thinking. I need to be changed on how I think. Your thoughts are important. And then I found that Jesus, a wonderful teacher, he actually gives the the job description of our enemy. Do you know that? There is a job description of our enemy in Acts chapter 10, verse 10. This is his job. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal Kill, destroy. That's his job description. And he's active in our minds. But then Jesus says, my job description is to bring you life. Life in all of its abundance or its fullness. See, there's two sides to everything. There's two sides to everything. You can choose to believe it or you can choose to not believe it. There are two sides that, you know, people say, it's hopeless. Or you can say, it's hope. It's hope. When I was 34, my brother said to me, Soph, you need to get your life right with God and God can give you what you want. You know what happened inside me? Hope. Hope. I put my hope. If we're not hoping for anything, what can I attach my faith to? I am hoping that God can do this. I'm hoping that God can meet my needs. I'm hoping that God will change the situation. I'm hoping for things. Do you see, when I hope, my faith is in God to bring that into being. Not just maybe, maybe, maybe. No, being sure of what you hope for. Faith is being sure of what you hope for is going to happen. And so I choose to believe the Word of God. Now here is the battle. In your normal life, it all looks like it's gone to custard. Everything's falling apart. The kids are being naughty. This is happening. Work's getting tough. Negative, negative. Hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. But the Word of God says... I can do all things. I will assist you. I will help you. You are an overcomer. You are victorious in Christ Jesus. And you have to start to declare. Now, I have a choice. I can choose what I see or I can choose the Word of God. We have to, as Christians, we stand. Our foundation is on His Word. God will do what He says He will do. And so we find ourselves in difficult situations where... um, where where we need to learn the Scriptures. And people hate this bit because, I'm going to read it to you, Scripture is food for Christians. Oh, but I, um, do I have to read the Bible every day then? And here we go. This is what I learned as a child. And I'd start, and I was reading it as a book. And I learned I never read the Bible as a book. It's a living word. It's a living word. It's not, not just a book. I read storybooks. I love reading. But the Bible to me has got treasures. And there are things in the Bible I, I go hunting for. And the question that we should be asking ourselves is, 
What can I feed my mind on today so that I will be nourished, strengthened, and will flourish? So now, if you start thinking, I am going to nourish my spirit, I am going to get myself working with God. God is with me. He is for me. No matter what comes against me, I know my God is there. You said you will never leave me nor ever forsake me, God says. You know, and he is with us. And we are more than conquerors, as it says in Romans chapter 8. God is with you. He is for you. David, in Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, he says, When you delight in God's word, you will prosper in whatever you do. When you delight in God's word. Unfortunately, we are living in a generation where we are so short attention span, we can't, everything, there are so many things going on that we can't even concentrate for the length of time of one sermon of 45 minutes. Now we cut it back to half an hour. <laughs> you know, we just cut it back. Why? Because it's hard to maintain our attention. It's the world, it's the culture that we are living in. We are so distracted by what is going on in this world. And this makes it really hard. I haven't got time to read the Bible every day. You know, but I haven't got time. Have you got time to eat? You know, we have to start to really get serious about it. We have to get serious about it. Now, let me give you three steps if you're not a faithful, everyday Bible reading person yet. Let me give you three steps. Number one, the first thing is discipline. Set yourself a time. Just set yourself a time. Mine, when I was full-on working as a general manager of a multi-million dollar company was when I went to bed at night. My Bible was always by my pillow. I'd have to move it off so I could get into bed and then I'd pick it up again and I might read and it started with five minutes. This is 30-something years ago. And I started to read. I disciplined myself into reading. Sometimes one or two verses and I'd be asleep. But sometimes there would be chapters and I found that I just read and I sometimes I didn't know where to look. And I just opened it up and say, is that you, God? <laughs> like everybody, try, we try some of these things. But I learned to discipline myself to read the Bible. The second thing, after I was in that discipline, I had to set, I had a sense of duty. I, I, underneath it, I thought, no, I, I do, I need to do this. I, I, I need to do this. I, I need to meet with God. I need to hear what God is saying to me. And I did, I read the Bible out of a sense of duty, not just discipline. I had the discipline. Now I had a duty. I need, I'm searching, searching, searching. It says, a search, seek and you shall find. Yes, Lord, I know. I'm going to stay in this place until you speak to me. Chapter 50, chapter 51. This is in the Psalms, 52, 53, 54, 55. And finally, I get one verse that comes alive. Whoa. You see, my sense of duty of reading started to become my delight. My delight. I needed to delight myself, and now I love to read the Word of God. It sits there. I, I, have, I must have at least 10 Bibles. I, I, I just hunt them out, and they're all over the show, you know, and it's kind of like, they, they, and Ian's got a couple of dozen Bibles, and we, we just have, but we love the Word of God. We have disciplined ourselves. We've gone beyond it being a sense of duty, and now we delight. You know, when you delight in the Word of God, you will prosper, David said. So we will pros Amen. prosper. Next, I want to talk to you about meditating on the Word of God. 
to meditate on the Word of God. This is what makes it come alive. And people think, I don't really know what that means, to meditate. Listen, if you're sitting, we're, we're parked up in our motorhome up at Taronga Bay at the moment, and there are the most gorgeous sunsets. You know, and you look at the sunset. If anyone at the end of the day and you see the sky changing and then you watch the sun and as you sit and you look at the sun and it slowly goes down and it goes beyond the horizon and the colours flare up and, it's all, and you just sit and you watch and you focus and you think. And you go, wow, magnificent. People drive the car and say, oh, the sun's setting, oh, go. I sit, oh, look. And as you watch and you meditate, you are focusing in on it. You're giving room for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You know, the same with music. You know, at the end of a school year when we were school teachers, I, I was just completely exhausted. I couldn't stand up. And I, I told Sophie this the other day. I, I, I love music. I'm a Mamma Mia fan, you know. Abba, do you remember Abba? They were big time in my time. <laughs> but I love, and I had the Mamma Mia video. And I'd, I'd lie on the couch and I would watch it. Oh, and, you know, and the music would go, Mamma Mia, here we go again. And there's, you know, super trooper. And it was just, and I, uh, yeah, ma and it was just like, dancing queen, she is the dancing. And it was just, the music was getting into me. I was focusing in on, in other words, I was meditating. It was restoring me. It was refreshing me. You know, the Bible does the same. When we meditate on the Word of God, it, what it does, it gets into you. And you, what is it? I read the passage and one verse stuck out and for the rest of the day, that is it. That's the verse and it keeps going over me and I'm meditating on it. It is doing its work in me. It is building me up. Oh, you learn to meditate. It is fun. It is exciting. It, it, it will help you to overcome when something goes wrong. There was one time in my life, and there was this reporter, and, and he came and interviewed me, but I didn't know much about journalists. Why would they even want me? So he asked me some questions, and I gave him the answers. Without thinking, without preparation. He says, oh, can I take a photo? Took a photo. The next thing, this is in the New Zealand marketing magazine. It goes round the country, and guess where it ended up? On the CEO's desk. It nearly cost me my job. You know, I said things about our opposition that were an international company pumping money in and, and, and telling retailers what and how they should do it, whereas we were a locally based. And it was just, I really got stuck in. And one of the directors of the company says, oh, Sophie, what's all this, you know? Who, think, who do you think you are doing all this sort of stuff, you know? It's just like, whoa. I got myself in the car and I drove to Chattatoo somewhere and I parked up by this wharf and I said, oh, God. Oh, God, what did I do? I didn't realise, you know. God, help. You can change this. It was going to cost me dearly. But God, by the time I got back to work, I was calm. I was filled again with the things of God. I knew that my God was for me and that this is the end of this thing. God's got something new for me. I started to believe on God. And what, my, my CEO came up to me and he smiled and I, I says, I'm sorry, Bruce, I had no idea that this was for this magazine. He said, it's not what you said. That was, it was just the way you said it. 
which he had printed. It was just a terrible situation. But take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. God will settle your heart. The peace of God. The enemy will rob you of the peace of God. He will rob you of the joy. He'll tell you how bad you were. But on the other hand, God says, it's all right, Sophia. I've got this. You just ask me and I'll help you. Call me into the situation. Ask me into the situation. You watch me change the situation. And my faith went up and up. And I thought, my God is so mighty. He is so powerful. He is so wonderful. You know, and it was just like, because God is in every situation, every situation of our lives. I've got 10 advantages or benefits. Here's 10 benefits just for you. When you learn to meditate on the word, it cultivates within you a love for God and his word. You know, You start to meditate. It's not how much you read. Meditate. Think on such things. Think on the lovely things that God is trying to say to you. And you'll you'll love him all the more. It gives you insights and spiritual understanding. It is a source of reassurance and strength. When you're not certain and you talk to God about it, whatever the outcome, God's involved in this. And I trust him. It empowers you to be a genuine witness for Jesus. It renews your mind. It protects you from sin. It restores your soul and your emotions. It enables you to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This is meditating on God's word. It causes your spirit to come alive. It helps you to understand God, others, and yourself. You know, the book of Romans, the first eight chapters of Romans, are all about justification by faith and also about the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then the next half of Romans, the last seven chapters, are about living that out as a Christian in your life, how to live that out. You know, we can, the, the Word of God brings change. I can't change myself. I am who I am. You are who you are. Look at us. What a variety of people. And you put the children out there and they're, look at us. What a, God is a God of variety. None of us are the same, you know. And so it's God's word that changes us. And I've heard this said, get into his presence, then things will die there and other things will thrive there. You having problems? Take it to the Lord. Take it into his presence. It will die there. And other things in your life will begin to thrive. You have a choice. There are two sides. What are you going to believe? What Jesus said, or are you going to believe the lies of the enemy? Um, I want to go to Romans 12, verses 3 to 5. Are they coming up? Here they are. All right, it's the word of God, people. Let's read it together. Here we go. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. You know, to me, this speaks about togetherness. 
You know, when we gave our hearts to the Lord, we became part of God's family. And we don't have to strive to be like somebody else. Oh, I wish I was like that. I used to sit at the back and say, oh, I wish I could sing like that. You know, and, I, and it was just like, you, you want to be somebody else, but God made you, you. Yay. <laughs> you know, God, the Bible talks about him being the potter and we're the clay. You know, and God shapes us. He even shaped us. He saw our, his eyes were on my unformed body. Oh, before I was even in my mother's womb, God saw me and he knitted me together. He made me the way I am. You know, I don't have to be perfect. God knows I'm not and probably never will be in this life, but I will in the next when I'm with him. But, you know, I want to share with you some things that make us different. I, I've heard this the other day. And it was fabulous. We are all very different. See, faith, faith believes what God can do. Identity sees what you can do. Think about it. Who am I? What is it about me? What does God want? We have to seek his perfect will for our lives, meditating, believing the word of God, Rejecting the lies of the enemy, seeing the best, seeing the good, like Jesus did when he walked the earth. You know, we have to, what sort of, so God made us into a particular shape, and I have this as an acronym for you. Now, when you think about this, can I just have that one up on shape? Evangeline's just about got it. Here she goes. Shape, S H A P. The S stands for spiritual gifts. All of us have some sort of spiritual gifts. Oh, I haven't found mine yet. You have got spiritual gifts. You know, there are three passages in the Bible where you can find them. Actually, if you go to the course on Pathways, the last lesson has got a whole lot about gifts and it helps you to find and discover your gifts. But all of us have got spiritual gifts. Some of them are given by the Father. Some of them are given by Jesus to the church and others are given by the Holy Spirit to whoever needs them. So if you're in a situation where you need the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you when you need it. It's the most amazing thing when you start to, to talk with people and encourage them in their faith. God will give you what you need to say. You know, there are some amazing things. The other lady that I saw, Kat, where's Kat? Kat's not here today? No. She, she made a, a response, and I texted her this week. I was reading Psalm 27. This is how the Holy Spirit works. And I said, Kat, read, read Psalm 27. I think you're going to be really blessed, particularly the last two verses. And I, I, within, she said, I got a text back to say, oh, I'll read them tonight when I do my Bible study thing. The next day, I get back the most gorgeous text. Oh, Sophia, she said, I was thinking about that Psalm. She says, and suddenly I learned a song when I was a child about you are the light of my salvation. And I never really knew what it meant. But today I know what it means. And I said to her, Kat, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The word is alive. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So we all have spiritual gifts. The second letter is H for your heart. Your heart. What's in your heart? What's your, what are you passionate about? I'm passionate about, you know, I have seen men and they're passionate about fishing. I cannot believe that you can be passionate about fishing. Some people are passionate about sport. Here's a man who's passionate about fishing, but some people are passionate about sport. Others are passionate about music. 
music, music, music. You know, and there's a passion and a heart. And I used to say, God, I don't know. I, I have a passion for fashion. Can you believe it? I, I worked in the fashion industry and I love fashion and I do notice what people wear. <laughs> and I, but it's in me. I know how to create garments. There's Sam sitting there. He knows he's got a passion for boats. He's building one, you know, and he's a carpenter. He's, got, he's building things. He's got a passion for something that he can do. We all have passion. And I talked to God about it. I took it to the Lord. And I thought, how can a passion for But it brought me into a circle of people that God wanted me to be amongst. I can share the gospel amongst those people. You know, they are people that God is interested in. He loves those people in me. You know, you go and play around at golf. God, I love, you know, golf, whatever it is. And, and you, the people that are there matter to God. You know, you're his ambassador in that situation. In your classroom as a teacher, those children matter to God. You know, and you have a passion for it. And one thing I, I discovered talking to God about, I have a passion for babies. I love babies. It's the funniest thing. I love. I have 28 nieces and nephews. They all feel like my own. They were all little babies, and I'll cuddle. And it was, it was great. I have a bash. I never, God never let me have babies. He had another plan for me. But you know, my passion was babies. And one day I'm sitting in a service like this, and I hear these words Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. And I thought, God, and I thought, God has got babies. God's got babies. I, and, and I felt inside, I could find, I started to discover what has God put inside me. He's given me a passion for babies. And I see them, I hear them. They make cute sounds and they have things to say. They can't walk and talk. They've got to learn to eat. They've got to learn to, and he says, feed them milk. Give them the milk of the word. Help them to get established in their faith. Help them to grow. You know, and so I did. I went about writing eight lessons. I call it foundations. You know, and all it is, it's the gospel. But it's explained so somebody, it's like a ship and puts an anchor down. And I'm in. I know what I'm standing on. I know that nothing that comes against me is going to shift me. Hear what I'm saying? So we all have this heart. The A is your abilities. My goodness, we all have different abilities. At school, some people were really good. My family were really good at maths. Maths. My dad was good at maths. I inherited maths. We have a maths thinking thing. Paul's very good at maths. But I didn't choose it as my career path. It was just one of those things. What are our abilities? What are you good at? What are you good at? You know, and it's like... Um, it could have been related to your education. It may have been something that you were taught and you've got really good at it and your passions with it, so your heart's in there. And, you know, God will use it. He'll put gifts in it and it's starting to build up. That's what's making you and me unique. We're not the same. The P, oh, this stands for your personality. We have so many different personalities. Your personality. You know, there are people, I, you, you wouldn't believe this, there are people who don't like me. I, I, they just don't like me. And it's, it's a personality thing. 
You know, it's, it's our personality. We might be introvert. We might be extrovert. We might be way out there. We might be just a laid back. It's all right. Don't you worry about it sort of a person. You know, there are all these different, there are some people who are just perfectionists. Like, Don't you do it if you're not going to do it properly. You know, and it's like, and there's all these different things that are happening and these personalities. And we look at them and God gave you your personality. You don't have to hide. You don't have to be like anybody else. You can just live like God made you live. You know, your personality is yours, given to you by God. Thank you, Lord, for my personality. Thank you, Lord, for my personality. You know, I, I complain to God. I walk Murawai Beach and I'm walking and I'm complaining to God. I don't know what I can do. I don't know where I fit. I don't know what gifts you've given me. I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know. And God says, you can talk. And I, I thought, oh. You know, I started off my, my career. I can talk. I'm, I, are you, it's hard to stop me sometimes. Ask my husband. I'm a talker. You know, some people don't. They internalise it all. I can talk. That's why I came up through sales in the fashion industry. I'm, I like to talk. <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing. But we all have different personalities. And here's the big one. E stands for experiences. Our experiences. You know, over the hundreds of people that have gone through my foundations... I listen to their story and their experiences from their childhood, their experiences at school, their experiences within the family, their experiences getting a job, their experiences in their work, their, all these things, their experiences in their life, a lot of it is very difficult to overcome. Yet God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Put into your mind what God says about you. Um, Ruth talked about the scripture where it says the past has been gone. We live in the present and we have the future to look forward to. The past is gone, forgiven and cancelled. God is so good to us. Okay, so that was, uh, um, I did write another little note here. And this is, I heard this at a, at a seminar just recently. Do you want a David or a soil? A soil. A Saul. A David or a Saul anointing? And I had to think about that. Do I want a David or a Saul anointing? And then the minister says, it's the same anointing. It's the same anointing. It's the same. God anointed them the same. See, the difference is that um, the person's character. The person's character. How's character? You know, there was a difference in character between Saul and David. It was the character. And how is your character formed? Your character is formed by the choices that you make. The choices that you make every time you choose to do it God's way, you become more like him. You're choosing it. Every time we go that, we separate ourselves from the things of God and we're heading in the wrong direction, but we bring ourselves back. And there's this pendulum that's swinging, you know, and I think God, and, but God is working with us and he is working for us. The last little bit, oh, I'm over time. I'm just going to finish on one story. I read the verse, the story, and then I'm finished. Romans 12, verses 6 to 8. We'll read it together. It's the Bible. Here we go. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God is not asking us to be all of those things. He's made you something in there. I want to tell you a scenario. Here's here's a, a restaurant and seven people representing these different gifts are at this restaurant, right? Here's this, re- and they've had a big meal, and the waitress comes along, and she has a tray, and she's stacking all these trays and all the cutlery and the glass, and she's stacked it high on a tray, and she goes to turn around, and as she turns around, she slips, and the whole thing is smashed over the ground. There's food everywhere, there's broken glass everywhere. Now, here are seven different responses. Let me read them to you. The prophet would say, I told you that would happen. The server would say, please let me help you with that. The teacher would say, now that happened because you stacked the dishes way too high. It was not properly balanced. The encourager would say, oh well, praise God and cheer up. There's a lesson in this for all of us. The giver would say, after well, the giver, after offering to give her a hand, leaves her a generous tip and an encouraging note to give her a sense of satisfaction of a job well done, despite the unfortunate trip. The leader would say, well, don't just sit there. You get the mop, you get the bucket, you get everything else and help you clean it up. And then the mercy gifted person would say, oh, you poor thing, are you all right? Seven different responses because of different giftings that are within us. Any of them wrong? No, they're all good responses. How would you respond? Maybe it would be a key to finding your gift. God has made you unique. He loves you. You are significant in his kingdom. You are very significant. God is counting on you. He is counting on me. You know, he wants your attention. He wants you to come into his presence. He wants to bring change. He wants to use you. The trouble is a lot of us don't think that God should use us because I haven't got it all together yet. So you've got this battle of, am I worthy or am I unworthy? No, unworthiness belongs there. I am worthy because you are worthy, Jesus. I can do all things. You will give me the strength and power to do these things. And so we live our Christian lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, I just hope that we can understand ourselves and you a bit better. That, Father, in the little things, we will say thank you. Thank you that I am this way. Lord, show me, how can I use this for the building of your kingdom? Father, you're such a good God, and I just love you, and I thank you for all these people who have listened to me for this long, long time. So, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.